Good morning, family. How many are happy to be in the house of the Lord? Thank you for those announcements. We're just going to pray, and then we're going to jump right into it. It's a little hot in here, is it not? Can we turn that down like three degrees? I'm up here sweating. I'm not going to say it. Kevin, I'm growing, Kevin. I'm growing. (laughs) The Lord is maturing me. It, it still comes to my mind, and sometimes it still comes out of my mouth too, but, but I'm, I'm learning. I caught that one. Let's pray. Father, thank you today that you're here, that you're with us, and that you love us. You love us with an everlasting love. We quiet our hearts before your word today. We pray that you would speak to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We give you praise in Jesus' name. I'm going to read a few passages of scripture to you quickly, and then we're going to jump right in. This is part one of our new series, Jesus Unknown. Jesus Unknown. Luke chapter 1, verse 30, starting at verse 30. This is Mary encountering the angel Gabriel. This is where it all began. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. I'm going to jump over to chapter 2 beginning at verse 8. This is what it says. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, verse 12. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men, verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Say, which the Lord has made known to us. Come on, say it. Which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Verse 17, now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. We're going to skip over to verse 42 now. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, 
the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among the relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him at the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Jesus, unknown. There's a popular concept in our culture that Jesus is whoever you need him to be. That Jesus is whoever you want him to be. That Jesus is whoever you make him to be. If you're black, Jesus can be black. If you're Asian, Jesus can be Asian. If you're Latino, you got Jesus. If you're a Republican, just wrap him in the American flag. If you're a Democrat, wrap him in the rainbow flag. And say, Jesus is one of us. He belongs to us. Remember that song, Dyrell? Jesus is the homie. We be kicking it all the time. Come on, sing it with me. I said, Jesus, he is the homie. We be kicking it all the time. No, he's not, and no, you don't. He's whoever we need him to be. Wrong. He is who he is. And that is actually true of every being. There is not a being who exists who conforms to the identity of every individual. I mean, what if somebody thought that about you? What if somebody thought they could just make you who they needed you to be? What if somebody assumed that they could just bring you into their political ideology and make you a part of it? What if people thought that they could just bring you into their agenda, their social agenda, and make you a part of it? What if people thought they could just conscript you into the goals and visions of their particular life and make you conform to it? At a certain point, you would have to push back and set some boundaries and go, hold on a second. Mm-mm. You ever had somebody speak for you and use your name to perpetuate something that you didn't even agree with? I feel so sorry for Jesus. It must be so hard to be Jesus. 
Because everybody in our culture seems to think that it's okay to use his name to perpetuate their own agenda and to say Jesus is on our side. There's something in the Old Testament called Christophany. Look at your neighbor say Christophany. A Christophany is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. For instance, Isaiah chapter 6. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw who? The Lord, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, at first glance, that doesn't seem to be a Christophany, but John says in John chapter 12, somewhere in that chapter, he quotes that passage and says, this Isaiah spoke when he saw the glory of Jesus and spoke of him. So John tells us that was a Christophany. That was Jesus showing up in the Old Testament. How many know that the day he was born to the Virgin Mary was not the day he began to exist? If there's any truth to the New Testament, he was in the beginning with God. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. There's one Christophany that stands out to me. And there is some dispute about whether or not this is a Christophany, but I believe it is, so, and I'm talking, so, oh well. <laughs> Joshua chapter 5. You see, there's this Old Testament concept of the, the angel of the Lord. Joshua chapter 5, he's standing before Jericho. God had commanded him to take the city of Jericho, but it was a fortified city and the walls were impenetrable. And Joshua is standing out of Jer outside of Jericho, looking out the walls, trying to figure out how he's going to penetrate the walls of this city. And suddenly the angel of the Lord is standing there before him with a drawn sword. That angel is Jesus, by the way. And he's not just an angel. The angel of the Lord is not like Gabriel and the other angels. But anyway, no time for that theology lesson. And Joshua looks at him and says, are you for us or for our enemies? Are you on our side or their side? Are you in our camp or their camp? Are you a part of our party or their party? Do you subscribe to our church doctrine or their church doctrine? And the angel responds in verse 14, no. Look at your neighbor saying no. Here's the, here's the NGT, the New Ghetto Translation. Nah. Nah. That's what the angel says. Nah. It ain't like that. That's the wrong question. I'm not on your side or their side or his side or her side. The question is not am I on your side. The question is are you on my side? The great question in our culture is, does Jesus accept me? That's not the question. The question is, do you accept Jesus? He says, nah, don't get it twisted. As commander of the army of the Lord, I've come. Joshua says, what command is there from the Lord? He says, take off your shoes because the ground upon which you stand is holy. Joshua takes off his shoes and bows with his face to the ground. Listen, if you want to know who Jesus is, you've got to learn how to take off your shoes, which is all of your preconceived ideas and notions about who Jesus is and who you want him to be and who you need him to be. 
and who you hoped he was and come before him with the empty hands of, hands of faith that say, Lord, show me who you really are. There's one thing when you read the New Testament documents that those who received Jesus and those who rejected Jesus had in common. None of them had any clue who he was. They thought they did. Even his disciples, when they accepted him and abandoned everything to follow him, still didn't know who he was. They found themselves saying over, found themselves saying over and over again, who is this man? Who is this dude? And we're going to ponder this over the next six weeks. But from the very outset of the New Testament documents is a very clear truth. God has to reveal Jesus to you. Only God knows who he is. Jesus already told us that, right? In Matthew chapter 11, verse 26, 27, right? He says, no one knows the Father except the Son, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and those to whom he chooses to reveal him. And then he says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I mean, that first verse where he says, nobody knows the Father except the Son. Nobody knows the Son except the Father. There's this exclusive relationship between Jesus and the Father, and no one can get in on it. I, even if you want to know Jesus, you can't just know Jesus. The Father has to reveal him to you. But then Jesus says, but if you really do want to know me, come to me. All of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. In another place, he said, if anyone comes to me, I will in no wise cast him out. Isn't that beautiful? So we start with Mary. The angel comes to give her some revelation. Now, this is not Jesus. This is not the angel of the Lord. This is a specific angel. This is the angel Gabriel. And he comes to her and he says, can't remember it. You got favor. Don't be afraid. You're great. There, thank you. No, it's in chapter 1, verse 30. The angel comes to her and says, don't be afraid. You've received favor from God. Verse 30. And uh, there it is. The angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Everything about the identity of Jesus is told to Mary by revelation. Even his mama don't know who he is. Now, if there's, I mean, if you had a good mother, your mama is the one person who knows you like nobody knows you. Your mama knows. My mama knows me. To this day, she knows me like nobody knows me. But even his mama didn't know him. The angel has to come to her by revelation and say, you're getting ready to get pregnant, but it's not going to be like any normal, natural circumstance. This child is going to be called the Son of the Most High, and you're going to call his name Jesus, which in Hebrew is Yeshua, which means salvation. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. 
And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And Mary says, how can this be since I'm a virgin? I've never known a man. How is this even possible? Do you realize that knowing Jesus is just as impossible for us as it was for Mary? That just as impossible as it was for Mary to conceive Jesus in her womb without the help of a man, that's how impossible it is for you and I to actually believe in the real Jesus, to know him and to meet him. It's that impossible. It takes just as much of a miracle from God. Every salvation is a miracle. Anyone and everyone who meets Jesus and believes in him for salvation, that is a miracle. It's a greater miracle than healing of cancer. It's a greater miracle than growing out a torn off leg. I mean, I could tell you miracles that would blow your mind. And they're nothing compared to the miracle of salvation. If you believe in Jesus and you've trusted him for your salvation, that is a miracle. I remember being in Japan years ago. And um, in Japan... I was trying to share the gospel with some folks that we met who were English speakers. And, you know, everywhere I go, I feel compelled and I pray and I ask God for opportunities to tell people about Jesus. What I gave up on a long time ago is the idea that I can actually convince anybody into the kingdom of God. Telling someone about Jesus is not about being skillful at convincing people to receive him. It's about giving God an opportunity, giving the Spirit of God some space and some time to work in their hearts so that a decision can possibly be made. And I, I, I was talking to these folks about Jesus, and, and I was telling his story because they had never been to church. And the way they looked at me, just incredulous. Really? So he died. So he was born of a virgin. No man involved. Then he died on the cross and then rose again three days later from the grave, pushed the stone aside, came out of the grave, and then just like ascended up into heaven. Okay. They just looked at me like, okay. Like, that's so, so cute that you believe that. I mean, there was no inkling of any type. Like, there was no way to persuade them. There was no argumentation no academics, nothing, nothing could be done to persuade them. There was a young lady in our church a few years later. Her mother was Japanese. Her father was black. She was black and ease. And she called me one day because her Japanese mother was in the hospital at the edge of her life. And the doctors told her she was fine. All of a sudden she fell down in terrible pain. They took her to the doctor she had a tumor in her stomach that was the size of a kickball. And they said, you got about a week. So, I mean, imagine that. So, she said, would you go to the hospital and pray for my mother? And I thought, all right. I mean, I'll do it because I love you. But inside, I'm thinking, she's Japanese. There's absolutely no way. It was almost like I, I, I didn't allow that thought to congeal in my mind. But in the back of my mind, that's, I just kind of had this idea like, Japanese people can't believe in Jesus. Like, I don't know what it is about Japanese folks. But I got to the hospital, and she was hiding under the blanket. She looked so scared. And I said, oh, are you scared? She said, yeah. I said, can I talk to you for a little while? She said, please do. 
I said, have you ever, like, do you know anything about Jesus? She said, nope. I said, have you ever been to church? She said, one time I visited your church. And I remembered that Sunday. Because Chenway was up here, you know, I, I forget what song Chenway was doing. She was up here doing, oh, magnify the Lord. Dun, 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 dun. And she was in the back just going. <laughs> she was just loving it, man. She was moving. I said, oh, yeah, I remember you came that Sunday. Do you remember anything? Nope, nope, nothing. I thought, where do I start? I got to give her context. I don't want to just jump straight to Jesus. I started from Abraham. And I told her the whole story of the Bible. God called Abraham and said, get out of your father's house and go to the place I'll show you. And he goes to the promised land and goes down to Egypt because there was a famine and lied and came back and built an altar and called on the name of the Lord. And then God promised Isaac and the whole Ishmael thing happened. And then Isaac was born and then Jacob and then the 12 sons of Israel. And then they go to Egypt, you know, and then, fam you know, like Joseph. I mean, I told her the whole story, the exodus from Egypt. And I took her through the whole Bible in about an hour. And as I talked, she started to come out from under the cover. She said, oh, really? Wow. Whoa. And I'm looking in her face. I'm thinking, she's buying it. <laughs> I mean, she's believing this. And then I got to Jesus, and she looked like she was going to jump out of her skin. The excitement. To be born of the virgin. And then anointed in the Jordan River. And then he starts healing the sick and casting out demons and walking on water and working miracles. And he calls 12 disciples. And, and then I get to the crucifixion of Jesus where he died for our sins. And she looked like somebody had just publicly executed her dog in the middle of the street. That's how sad she looked. And she said, why did he have to die? And I said, all of us have done wrong, right? She goes, yeah, that's true. I said, and all of us deserve to be punished for the wrong that we've done, right? She goes, yeah, that's true. I said, Jesus took all of our punishment upon himself and died for it. He died for us. And she goes, that makes sense. And I thought, no, it doesn't. I mean, that only makes sense if God is giving you faith. But without faith, that don't make no sense. You've got to believe everything else that was said about Jesus in order to believe that that makes sense. I mean, if you don't believe he was born of the virgin, then believing that he died for our sins means nothing because he was just a man. To believe that he actually died for our sins, you've got to believe that he's God. And I saw God give her faith right in front of me and she accepted it as a free gift I saw Jesus make himself known to her and she received him and here's what's crazy when I got done telling her about the resurrection I thought she was going to get up and just be healed I mean, the excitement of that moment when I told her that he actually arose again from the grave after three days, she was flabbergasted with joy. And she grabbed my hand and goes, just pray with me right now. 
Pray, let's pray right now. Let's pray right. She did her own altar call. I said, all right, let's pray. And I let her in, you know, the classic sinner's prayer. Invite Jesus into your heart. And she said the prayer after me. And then I said, amen, and tried to let go. She's like, no, we're not done. She said, keep praying. Come on, keep praying. Keep praying. Don't stop. And, and so I start, I keep praying. And she's, now she starts praying. Jesus, Je oh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I love you so much. Oh, Jesus, you're so beautiful. Oh, Jesus. And she's crying and she's praying, Jesus, I love you. You're so beautiful. I stopped praying and just looked at her like. <laughs> I wanted to just pause and interview her and go, what's going on right now? <laughs> Finally, I left. I had another appointment. And she was still praying. Her daughter called me 30 minutes later. What did you do to my mom? So what are you talking about? She said she saw Jesus. She's preaching to everybody. She's telling everybody that he's real and that he's beautiful. Do you know that she did not experience another moment of fear and she died a week later, but she spent that week telling everybody how beautiful Jesus is. The beautiful thing about that story is I was a spectator. Even the concept of leading some, did you lead her to Jesus? Um, not really. I just told her a story. I've told that story many times. God revealed Jesus to her. And she said yes to that revelation. Just like Mary. Mary. That's the story of Mary. God comes to reveal Jesus to her, and she says yes to that revelation, and that's why it happened. That's why he was born in her. He was conceived in her. When you come to faith in Jesus, he's born in you. He's conceived in you. He lives in you. He grows in you. He's real in you. She could feel him kicking on the inside of her womb. Do you realize that when Jesus is truly born in you, it's almost like you could feel him kicking on the inside of your womb. When the real Jesus comes to live in you, not religion. You're not saved because you've received Christianity. You're saved because you received Christ. What was that Luke chapter 2 passage? I forgot where I was going next. Put that up there. That Luke 2. Yeah, there it is. The shepherds. These shepherds are on the hillside minding their own business. They've got nothing to do with Jesus or the whole situation. They've got no rightful claim to any revelation of who he is. They're just out there minding their own business and Jesus shows up. The angels show up. I'm going to save this for next week because I just feel the spirit of the Lord just sitting in this moment right now, just hovering. Just bow your heads before the Lord right now. Somebody come to the keyboard. The song we sing at Christmas time, it's too bad that we only sing it at Christmas time. It's too bad that we only talk about the birth of Jesus at Christmas time. 
O little child of Bethlehem, how sweet we see thee lie above thy, thy deep and dreamless sleep, above our deep and dreamless streets, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and dreams of all the years are born in you tonight. But then the second verse. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend on us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. See, the Christmas story is more than a story. And what our culture has done is we've taken the whole Christmas story and we've attached Santa Claus to it and Christmas trees and lights and streamers and now it's about mistletoe and hot chocolate and gifts. But it's actually about the Savior of the world being born. Sweet little Jesus boy born in a manger. Sweet little holy child. We didn't know who you were. We didn't know that you came to save us. That's what the story's about. The unknown God born amongst the sheep and the cattle. And the only people who know it are the people that God revealed it to. And over in Jerusalem, you got Herod and all of the theologians and the Bible scholars that are studying, but they're not seeking. They're studying, and what they found in their scholarly study was where he would be born, but that's not the same thing as finding him. They studied and came to a conclusion, but none of them went to him. And there's a lot of people that are studying about Jesus, even coming to right conclusions about Jesus, but not coming to him. The fact of the matter is, you can't receive or reject Jesus until you meet him. Otherwise, you're simply receiving or rejecting a caricature of Jesus that lives in your mind. I've received Jesus, which one? The Presbyterian Jesus? The Republican Jesus? The woke Jesus? Which Jesus have you received? How about the Jesus of Scripture? The only Jesus Christ that we hear and obey in life and in death is Jesus Christ as revealed in Holy Scripture and we hearken not to the voice of a stranger. It is time for us to extract Jesus from the political webs that have been woven around him in our culture, from the cultural webs that have been woven around him. Extract him from every culture and just come to him. I want to receive you. I want to know you. That's the heart. Because every day I live with this reality that I am at the mercy of God when it comes to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the fact that I've said a prayer and received him into my heart, even the fact that I'm a pastor means nothing. God is no respecter of persons. The question is every day, do I come back to God with these same empty hands of faith? God, I want to know you. Show me who Jesus is. Holy Spirit revealed you. Because listen, even if I've walked with God for 30 years, but now I assume I know who Jesus is, I've, all of a sudden he becomes obscure to me. The real Jesus becomes obscure. And I inadvertently begin to weave him into my cultural webs. Begin to assume that he conforms to my political agenda. To my cultural 
values. To truly know him, I've got to stand with Joshua outside of Jericho and hear him say, nah. I'm not on that side or that side. I'm not with them and I'm not with y'all. The question is, are you with me? Every day, afresh and anew, Jesus, I'm with you. Jesus, I'm with you. I think we need to get saved every day. Not that you should fear the loss of your salvation every day, but I'm saying every day we all stand on equal ground before God. Every morning when we wake up, I can't live on yesterday's salvation. I got to wake up and come to him afresh and anew today. Today is the day of salvation. I need you today. And when you come to him with that heart, he promised, he promised, if you come to him with that heart, he promised, I won't turn you away. If anyone comes to me, Jesus said, I will by no means cast him out. But you got to come to Jesus, the real Jesus. Not the images of Jesus that you've drawn of him. We've got to stop arguing about what color his skin is and what texture his hair is. Stop it. Stop it. That's not the point. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. So, Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus that every heart and every soul in this room and that's joining us for the live stream would open to receive Jesus afresh and anew. And that we would come to you in a new way and make the decision to come to you every day. Saying, Lord, I want to know this Jesus. Father, show me who he is. Holy Spirit, show me who he is. Give me the revelation of Jesus. Increase the revelation of Jesus in me. Show me the real Jesus. To rightly reject him, even if you don't want to know him, to rightly reject him, you got to meet him. To say that you've rejected someone that you haven't even met is ridiculous. That prayer should be prayed rightly by everyone. Lord, I want to know you. I want to see the real you. I hear people say all the time, I couldn't believe in a God who would do blah, 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 blah. Sorry, but you and I don't get to, we don't get to dictate who God is and what he should do and what he should not do question isn't whether you can believe in God. The question is, does he believe in you? And the beautiful thing is that his arms are open wide to each and every one of us. And so, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that decisions would be made this morning that would last a lifetime. I pray that decisions would be made this morning that would last a lifetime and seal them by the power of your Holy Spirit. And the last thing I want to say is if your heart is open to Jesus today for the first time. Don't leave without telling somebody. We'll have some folks here at this altar who would love to pray with you at the end of service if you want prayer for anything. If you're on the online campus, you can just drop a, a line in the chat and say, I need somebody to pray with me. Our online campus pastor, Jamerson Watson, would love to jump on a live stream or on a Zoom with you at some point and connect with you. But we just want you to know, each and every one, that the love that we have for you is the love of Jesus. He loves you with an everlasting love. And so, Father, I speak blessing and encouragement over every soul. 
Radical openness of heart, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Stand up on your feet, everybody. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, may the God of peace, who through the eternal spirit brought back forth from the grave, our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he prosper you in every way until we meet again. In his name I pray, amen. God bless you. We're dismissed.